This is Hops and Spirits Bar Conversations. Come for the craft beer, bourbon, whiskey, and great drinks. Stay for the conversations. Here's your host, Jonathan Green. This week we're coming from left field here on the Bar Conversations as we talk to country singer, professional baseball player Brian Ruby. He's got a new single out called Left Field. It's a great song and it's a great conversation as he has a lot going on in his life. And on on the uh, tasting notes side of things, we continue our Craft Beer 101 as we talk with Kevin Patterson and continue to the discussion about IPAs because last time it was just about the traditional IPA, West Coast IPA, but there's so many more and he goes into those and... Tells us exactly what we should expect, and uh, I think you, should, you guys should expect a great episode this week. I hope you enjoy it. Let's not waste any more time and get to the show. It's almost time. Where did I where, where did I put those? Here they are. <laughs> it's time for tasting notes. We're back again here on Tasting Notes with Craft Beer 101, and joining us once again because it is Craft Beer 101 is Kevin Patterson. He's a Cicerone National Beer Judge and Manager of the Beer Trap Craft Beer Store and Bar in Lexington. I said it right this time. And I promise you, I haven't been drinking all day. So, Kevin, welcome back. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I guess I've been drinking just enough to not even matter. So. <laughs> well, on our first part, you know, we, we talked about the IPA. We looked at kind of just the traditional IPA, the West Coast style IPA, because to me, those are two of the ones that maybe have been around the longest that people know about. And then even touched a little bit on double and triple IPA. And really, that's just an imperial IPA that has a little more ABV. But I feel like now if you go to a a brewery, a craft, craft beer bar, you're going to see IPA on almost anything. So what in the world is going on with all these new IPAs? Uh, it's really fascinating. I think that there's been a, a notion to embrace uh, the other legs of what hops have to give that's outside of just the bitterness. So we've learned to embrace the hop flavors, the hop aromas, and sometimes and oftentimes even prize those more so than the bitterness. I think brewers, you know, when you look at other styles like half of ices, kind of realize, well, these are fruity, these are aromatic, they're creamy. You know, what is it about them that allows these beers to hold on to those fruit esters so strongly? And would any of that knowledge allow uh, IPAs to hold on to hop aroma and hop flavor more strongly? And the answer there is to use wheat, and just like most half of ices. So brewers like, okay, so we use these other kind of cereal grains or what we call them. And what that does is it allows for a little bit more protein and a little bit more uh, other molecules to say suspended in the in the beer. And that allows the hop aromas and hop flavors to attract to them uh, without becoming so heavy, they fall out of suspension and filter themselves out uh, or stay too small where the yeast tries to metabolize those. So the technology, or at least the recognition of, of technique has allowed brewers to kind of take some of those clues from Hepavice and some plums IPAs. What that means is you get a lot more hop flavor, a lot more hop bitterness. The problem with that is you can pick up a whole lot of astringency from uh, from the bitterness of the hops. So what brewers have decided to do, let's pull back on the bitterness some. Let's not make them so bitter. And what that's allowed us to do is have these really full, what we call juicy IPAs and, and allow them to not be so bitter. Um, brewers have gone to call that a smoother hop finish. Really what it means is a less bitter finish. And with those other proteins and stuff that stay in suspension of the beer, they're not as dry as they used to be. So the malt characteristics are a little bit more plump. If you get the plumpness from the malt and that extra cereal grain that lingers around, and there's hop flavors and hop aromatics that, 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 that are uh, more prevalent now, really what you got is you got a set of flavors that emulate branch ripe fruits and not just citrus, not just grapefruit and orange like we normally associate with IPAs. 
but now we got tropical fruits. You know, you've got mangoes, papaya, uh, pineapple. Uh, you go even further than stone fruits, which are, you know, nectarine, peach, uh, apricot. And, you know, if you look at treehouse beers, they're so creamy, so rich, and so full sometimes. It's like, is that banana? Is this beer starting to taste like Hefeweizen? Have we come full circle? So I guess whenever it comes to, you know, 20-something years of studying IPAs, I've come to realization that I really don't know the difference between a Hefeweizen and an IPA anymore. It, well, and, it, it, and it's wild, too, because like you talked about it, you, you, they're kind of a juicy IPA. You see hazy IPA. You see a New England IPA, which my wife lovingly refers to as a NEPA. Uh, she's hoping that catches on. We'll see. Um, but so what, when, when people see those different names like a New England, a hazy, a juicy, are they the same thing? Are they a little different? Or is it kind of almost up to the brewer and the brewery as to what really that is? Uh, they can be, but they don't have to be. Uh, your wife is, might be onto something. I hear a lot of people calling, can I get a NEPA? Or they'll see IIPA to, to signify imperial uh, IPA. And they'll say, can I get IIPA? <laughs> they'll say all kinds <laughs> of things. That's fine. Um, but this, yeah, the, the largely semantics where the style of the hazy stuff started was the New England area was Vermont, Boston, some places in Maine. There's a band of brewers up there just got together and started picking each other's brains and sort of said, is there something to these hazier styles that can work? They didn't call them hazy. Um, but then as the style started growing, then there's people in the Midwest. It's like, well, I want to be able to claim you know, some territory here when it comes to style recognition and naming rights, but I don't want to give homage to necessarily New England, so we're calling it something else, hazy. Um, I'm old enough to remember whenever, if we refer to the term hazy, then it was an, an appearance attribute, but that's not the case anymore. Hazy is now a flavor. We turned that term hazy into a flavor, and it means something uh, to hopheads. It means something to people who really do like these uh, hazier IPAs, so hazy IPA and New England style IPA are basically the same thing. If somebody says one, I just assume they mean the other one. When it comes to the juicy IPAs, you see that as a kind of a marketing ploy too. What that means is there's breweries out there who say, okay, I want to use some characteristics of the hazy IPAs, but I don't want to use them all. For instance, like Ryan Geist does a really nice job of recognizing if we're going to put hazy IPAs out there, they have a very short shelf life. And we don't trust distributors, we don't trust retailers, we don't trust customers to treat the beer right and to drink them fresh. So we have to dry it out like we did the older beers. Uh, dry your beers for a lot of reasons. Just hold up to a little bit more in that three-month window whenever we traditionally think that IPAs should be consumed. Hazer IPAs, maybe half that. So that's the reason why you see a lot of breweries put hazy beers on the tap room, but maybe not so much out for distribution. So what Ryan guys decides to do, okay, let's do some of these new hops. There's a lot of new hops that are really well suited for the hazier styles. And it really did start with like Citra. Then you had Galaxy and Mosaic and now El Dorado and Cashmere. And we have a bunch of hops out there now uh, that are really, really sexy from hop aroma and hop flavor, but they don't have the best bitter attributes. And brewers don't care about that because they're not going to use those for bittering in these styles anyway. Well, what Ryan guys wants to do and other breweries like that, Founders has done this, Stone has done this, Evil Twin has. Uh, what they say is, okay, let's make a drier beer, but you, let's use some of those qualities that we've learned from the hazy game, apply as many of those as we can without sacrificing shelf life. So it's like, well, it's not quite a hazy. If people drink our beer and if we call it hazy, they may be disappointed if a little bit more bitterness, if a little bit more dryness shows up. So we can need to come up with another name because it is juicier than maybe the West Coast styles. It's not as piney, not as grassy, it's not as herbal sometimes, uh, but it is fruitier. 
than those. And so let's call it juicy. So that's the reason why you see that term juicy show up. So if you see the term juicy, that means you're trying to capture some of the hop aromatics and some of the hop flavors, but maybe not as strong as hazies. But also let's get some bitterness and dryness and make beer a little bit more refreshing too and see if they can hang out on the shelves a little bit longer. Well, and then I think the newest style to me, or at least the newest name, is the cold IPA, you know, which is to me maybe another rebranding of a, of a, a different style of beer. But what can folks expect when they see that on, on the shelves or at their favorite brewery? Well, as time goes on, you know, there has been a, a I, I guess, a rebalancing whenever it comes to drier, crisper, more refreshing beers. And maybe it is a rebuttal against the hazy scene. Um, but the cold IPAs are basically trying to, bars and tricks from lager making, cold crash these beers, hop them, you know, cold and keep them cold um, during, especially the dry hopping processes. And what that does is allows for the smoothness of the lager to kind of show up in an IPA. IPA sometimes can be a little sharp on the finish, especially if those grassy uh, characteristics come along. Some of the tannins from the hops, polyphenols, uh, they can transfer over and increase the harshness on the palate. Well, when you do that stuff in the cold condition phase, uh, really, you're looking at trying to capture some more of the hop aromas and hop flavors and get this really smoothness from the beer. So we used to call those India Pell lagers, but now we call them cold IPAs. Um, IPLs, even whenever they were gaining popularity, you know, maybe 15, uh, 18 years ago, let's not pretend like that was a crazy wild popular style. It had some, some uh, marks on the, the brewing industry and the consumers enjoy them well enough but they did not become popular like the hazy IPAs have or the West Coast IPAs have. So this term of um, you know, cold IPA might be a way to sort of say, well, let's do that, but let's not associate with those terms that people didn't love before. Let's just, let's just call it something different. And as we all know, IPAs are, are loved by, by so many. And you, you touched on this earlier in, in this part where you talked about how you know, there's citra mosaic, there's all sorts of hybrid hops out there. I've also noticed now it is pretty much prevalent that a lot of places will put what the hops they're using on their their label, on the sign. And I'm guessing that is because of there are so many varieties now and so many flavors that come from those. There are. And, you know, used to be hops, you could almost use any of the, the, the common brewing hops and it almost wouldn't matter. But now it matters a lot. Uh, I love the game where a brewer used two or three different hop varieties. If you only use one hop variety, something like the beers is just lacking something. But if you start to use more than three, they start to wash each other out. And I can't really tell what hops they're using. It's just a hoppy flavor. It can be pleasant, but it does really give an identity. My favorite game is whenever you use one or two or three different hop varieties. And I can start to understand which each one is contributing without washing each other out. And so that's a fun game to play. And I enjoy, those are my favorite kind of IPAs. So when you do that, it's almost become the naming right. Like you put that brand of hop on there, like Mosaic. And there's some people that just decided, I love Mosaic hops. I love that black tea, uh, almost blueberry nuances, uh, passion fruits. Those flavors show up very prominent versus citrus, which is a lot of tangerine and some mango characteristics. And maybe this finish that is a little bit more green tea like rather than black tea. So you get those identifiable characteristics that start to come from these hops. What's fun is none of those characteristics were intentionally designed that way. Uh, the people on the West Coast and you know, Oregon State University, Sierra Nevada's funded a lot of research for it. Um, the reason why these beers have become so aromatic and so characterful is because those aromas and flavors on the plant helps as an insecticide, as a pesticide. It has its own pesticide. 
So they've been trying to create hops that actually perform better in the field. It just so happens uh, they have better flavors too, and brewers find win-win either way. Well, and it's uh, something that I've enjoyed because I was not a big IPA fan when I first got into craft beer because, like you said, it was bitter. It was probably a little off-putting to someone that's just kind of new to it all. But as those new flavors and new hops have come in, I have become much more apt to enjoy a, a hazy IPA or a NEPA or, or one of those. And Kevin, I, I appreciate you shedding a little light here on IPAs because I feel like we could go into like a 203 level course with everything that's out there. <laughs> There's a lot out there and I appreciate you having me on. Remember to check out Hops and Spirits on social media at Hop Spirits, all one word, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also find Hops and Spirits on YouTube and at hopspirits.com. Joining us here on the Bar Conversations is professional baseball player, country artist. He's got a whole lot of things going on in his life. Brian Ruby. Brian, welcome in. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for, for joining, and I see you got a good drink. I, I've got... Normally I'm whiskey and bourbon, but you know, if, if you listen to the episodes, you know, we do tasting notes and I'm doing a little craft beer 101 this month. So I figured I'd go with a barrel bourbon barrel beer and uh, have, have a little fun. So you got anything good tonight? Nice. I'm just keeping it basic. I got a Corona. I'm getting over a case of Corona myself about a month <laughs> ago. So I'm, uh, I decided I'd celebrate with the Corona. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Now, I, I've seen some of your photos and, and stuff. I mean, I, I assume you do enjoy a bourbon or a whiskey on occasion. Yes, sir. Yeah, I uh, I like whiskey. I'll have, I, I usually, that's that's my usual order at a bar. Just get whiskey on ice. Um, especially if I'm, it's good to have one. Like, if I'm playing a show, you know, get one before. Kind of take the edge off a little bit. Warms up but, the vocal yeah. cords, right? <laughs> yeah warms them up it warms up the vocal cords it warms up the body you know it warms up everything <laughs> <laughs> i like it now now is there a go-to for you always or you're just like ah, eh, i trust trust the bartender to give me something good i trust the bartender i mean i'm i keep it basic you know especially like sometimes when you're playing like they'll give you they'll give you free drinks so I'll, i'm always curious like what what quality the free drinks are going to be. So I'll just say like, give me, give me a whiskey, give me whatever you got. Let's see it. And occasionally it'll be, it'll be something good. And then occasionally it'll just be, it'll just be feeding me Jack Daniels all night, which is fine. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but it, you know, I'm down for whatever the bartender's down for. Uh, I like it. I like it. And you know, I, I hear you have some unique talents beyond baseball and music. Um, <laughs> I, I think I read that you can do accents. Is that correct? Is, are are you any good at them? I'm awful at them. So are you any good at them? I'm okay. I'm I'm like working on that. I'm get I get a little bit better every day at my Australian accent. Throw another shrimp on the bobby in Australia <laughs> down under. And now, now uh, have speaking you Foster's Australian for beer. There you go. Now awesome have you done spirits. that to an actual Australian yet? No, no way. <laughs> I can't no way. believe it. We're, I can't... we're, we're a, a couple of months away from that. You know, I, I gotta, I, I gotta gain some confidence before I, before I do it. But you know, if I meet an Australian in Na in Nashville, I'll try it out. But it'll right, be so... 
Oh. Well, now now I feel like there's a challenge out there to, to send an Australian Brian's way so he can be, be forced to do his accent. Um, yeah, down under. <laughs> just send him my way. Now, you're also an animal lover. I think you've got two dogs, is that correct? And you grew up with a three-legged dog? Can, can you tell me that story? Yes, sir. Two dogs currently. Um, I grew up with a three-legged dog. He didn't originally have three legs. Uh, his name was Boomer, my childhood best friend, you know, man's best friend. Um, and uh, he got cancer in his his front right paw, and the options were either I don't want, of course, I don't want this interview to get like too depressing. Um, the options were either put him down or or amputate, and we decided to amputate it. Um, and he. He became a tripod, you know, a lefty hopping around on his front paw. Um, you know, he lived a few more years, lived a good life um, and then uh, passed away. But I definitely have, I've had that title, three legged dog, you know, dog songs in country music like Mo Pitney. It's just a dog is a I saw him here in Nashville at the local. I saw him play it live and everybody in the crowd was like crying at the end like we had there's like all these old you know big masculine men like breaking down crying <laughs> <laughs> and uh chris stapleton um the uh, maggie song you know the song on his latest album about his dog i i gotta write three-legged dog i've had the title like i'm not emotionally like ready to write that song yet i kind of want to honestly i, I don't want to dive too far deep into this but like I need to, I've written a few hundred songs in a couple of years in Nashville and I've, I've gotten cuts as a songwriter and stuff and just put out my first single, but I like, it means too much to me, like that experience growing up that I need to, like, I want to get better as a songwriter and have a few more years under my belt before I really tackle that one, because it's going to be such like a meaningful one for me, like in my I don't know, just like growing up and I want to do the song justice. So oh, that's I mean, my three legs. I, I, I love it. And, and it's something to, there's always something about a story in a, in a song. And when it can actually hit home to a lot of folks, it makes it that much more special. And, yeah, you know, you know, when, when you're thinking of, of stuff like that, I mean, you know, when you're writing or however that goes for you, that process, are you pulling from experiences like that or is it an idea? Is it a hook? What, what are you doing when you're kind of coming up with your, 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 uh, songs that you, you put out or, or work with others on? Totally. Um, I mean, I'm, it, for me, it's got to come from the heart. Like real country music comes from the heart. It has to. So I'm always thinking about different experiences that I've had, uh, past relationships, like half the time it'll, I'll just be in the shower or something or like driving down the road in Nashville <laughs> and like have something come to me, whether it's like a melody or a hook or something. Um, but my process is different every time. I'm like always, I'm always looking for topics to write about for ideas. I have this folder on my phone, just like a voice memos of just like hundreds and hundreds of, most of them are bad. <laughs> Me just mumbling some mumbo jumbo into the 
into the microphone, but you know, out of, you gotta, you gotta cast a wide net and out of all that stuff, we'll pull a, a few little kernels of, of, of gold. And, uh, but I'm, I'm always looking for inspiration. Yeah. Well, I, I was curious cause you know, I'm, I've always wondered, I mean, do you carry around like a little notebook or, or do you use your phone? And I feel like more and more, it's perfect to use the phone because I had someone the other day tell me I used to write it down whenever I had an idea. Then I could never find what I wrote it down on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I've read stories about like some of the best country songs, like friends in low places being written on like a napkin from you know, a bar napkin or something like that, you know, but now that we're in the 21st century, like I feel like it's okay to write it down on the note folder on your phone. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot more, I, I was gonna say it's a lot easier to find that hopefully <laughs> hopefully yeah thank god for iCloud. <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. now you know you're, you're you're a country artist you're a songwriter but you also play professional baseball how, how does one balance all of this because i feel like it all of those are full-time jobs in and of themselves yeah um i don't know i'm i'm always doing something um but like you said, I am a, I'm still a baseball player. I'm not the, not the best baseball player in the world. I always, you know, make sure to say that I'm a, in the interviews, I'm a journeyman guy. I'm 26 and, uh, still playing independent ball here in the U S. So, um, you know, I've played, uh, winter ball in Latin America and different places overseas. And, uh, I'm definitely, a a, a well-traveled journeyman guy, um, but, you know, it's a passion of mine and I love lacing them up and I feel very lucky every day to continue to be able to do that. Um, it's actually the baseball and country music kind of go hand in hand. Um, the more I think about it, you know, in, in growing up on the ball field, like country music is, is like the music of baseball. You know, it's always on at the stadium and... Um, even like when we're on road trips, you know, I've been doing this for, for years. I always bring my guitar, whether it's on the team bus or at the hotel or, you know, we play at like seven o'clock at night. So, um, I don't have a game today, but, um, cause it's like seven o'clock and eight o'clock at night here. <laughs> but, uh, most of the time we play at seven under the lights and you have a few hours in the morning of time to kill and, for me, I just, that's what I, I write, that's when I write songs. Um, that's what I've done. Even if I'm on the road, I'll, I'll get on Skype or on Zoom and, and link up with other writers back in Nashville and, and, you know, try to write something, anything really. Um, and then do the same thing, you know, the next day from a different spot. And that's how I've been able to keep both of them running think sooner or later I'm going to have to pick one. I'm definitely moving in the music direction, um, especially since, you know, we released this first single and feel like I'm slowly building momentum there. Um, but, you know, you can only be a, a ball player for so long, and I'm definitely grateful for all the years that that I've been able to stay on the ball field. Well, I mean, to, to keep that dream alive, though, has to be fun because, I mean, that's something that – I feel like any kid dreams about is, is trying to be a professional athlete and to get that opportunity. I mean, the fact that you've played in 
I think seven countries, you know, half the United States, I mean, says that that's a dream you want to keep on going. Yeah, tried a lot of different kinds of beer from a lot of different places, <laughs> many kinds which I haven't been able to pronounce, <laughs> talking about accents. But, uh, yeah, it's um, it, it's been a, you know, um, baseball was always what I wanted to do as a kid. I dreamed about being a major league baseball player. And music was always what I did. You know, there was always a lot of pressure around baseball because that's, you know, having to rise up the ranks and very competitive and stuff. And music was really what I did for fun. You know, what I did before the game or afterwards to relax. And I moved to Nashville about three years ago, um, almost three years ago uh, in the off season. And um, it really kind of took over as um, I, I would, I would do my baseball training. I would go out to bars and honky tonks and, writers rounds try to meet people try to get co-writes with people here in nashville figure out who's who where to go do the thing you know play for tips and stuff um and uh it's really there's never been there always has felt like there's been pressure around baseball for me but music has always kind of been um just this thing where you know, nobody in my family was musicians. Everybody, I'm from a family. We are all, we're all athletes. There's five of us. We're all athletes and at different levels, different sports. But um, like even my mom and my sister were athletes, um, including my my dad and my brother. All all play sports. Um, but music was always my thing, and you know, it's kind of just been like. I really had no idea what to expect when I released the song left field. Um, it's been out for like two weeks, but, um, like I said before, I've, I've just been a writer for different people over the last couple of years. And, um, so putting something out on my own is, was really like, I had no idea what was going to happen. You know, if it was going to be you and me and my mom, like streaming the song, <laughs> or if it was going to be, more people and we've got it's been about two and a half weeks almost three and we've got we've got about a thousand people a day streaming the song so we just crossed over twenty thousand on spotify alone um and it's been it's been played on sirius xm on country pride and um and on uh the acm's country pride playlist and ultimate pride playlist um, so it's, it's been cool to like see that happen in real time. Well, I mean, I, f I feel like you might've been destined to be a country singer too. I mean, uh, if I read correctly, your family had a barbecue restaurant, you interned at the country mu music radio station. I mean, were you just destined? I mean, was this just destiny coming to fruition? I don't know. I mean, well, well you'll have to ask <laughs> me that 15 years, <laughs> but yeah, I was, uh, I, as a kid, I always listened to the same country radio station and I cold called them one day when I was in high school and I asked pretty much, you know, if they had any openings and I got an internship first, um, kind of sweeping the promotions closet, not really doing anything important, but, um, and that's kind of where I found out. I didn't really know I'm from Pennsylvania. I didn't really know about um, songwriters going to Nashville to like 
pursue this dream. And that's where I first found out about it. And I thought, wow, maybe I can, I can do that one day. Um, and then, uh, like you said, my dad, you know, he's got a, he's got a steak in it in our hometown barbecue restaurant. And, um, actually not a steak, uh, a rack of ribs, but, <laughs> uh, it's a, it's a good spot. Shout out, uh, Lucky Well and Baby Blues Barbecue back home. I'm actually playing a show there uh, on Friday night. Uh, it's going to be a 4th of July weekend show at the barbecue restaurant. So I'm excited. I was going to say, I mean, it just seemed like the perfect, I mean, almost that could be a country song. You're talking about Three-Legged Dog. You could probably write about the internship or the restaurant, and that would definitely fit in uh, very yeah. well. I mean, you, you yeah. kind of mentioned that you've you've always enjoyed music. When when did you kind of get into actually playing with the guitar and, and things like that? Yeah, I guitar's been a fairly recent thing, to be honest. I'm not the best guitarist. It's only I'm 26. It's been about six years, um, but I strum it out. I don't do anything like super fancy. Um, but I've been singing for for a lot longer. Um, I got an old hand me down car at 16. And uh, I've really learned to sing by just singing along to country radio. Um, that's kind of why I, I sing how I sing is I just, um, it turned, I guess, first it starts as just singing along, not really know, knowing what you're doing and trying to trying to learn the songs. And, and, and then, you know, I auditioned for a, a, a vocal music scholarship um, in college and I was the only the only country singer that did it, everybody else was singing like, la, 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 like opera and I in a suit and everything. And I walked in in boots and jeans and was just like with my guitar and sang a country song. Um, and, uh, luckily, luckily the, the woman who was judging was originally from Georgia. Um, so, uh, shout out Courtney if she's listening, cause I think she follows along still to this day but um yeah i was the, the the first and only country singer you know to to get that vocal scholarship at my college and that's kind of how i learned to learn to sing better and years later here we are well you you're able to hone hone those skills and you, you talk about you know like listening to music those country artists who were some of your influences or maybe still your influences to this day that that you kind of draw inspiration from yeah, for me, it's like a mix of of country and rock. Like, I don't know if you can tell by the hair, but <laughs> but it's like uh, it's it's like I don't know a little '90s country, early Tim McGraw, Garth, um, Kenny Chesney, even mixed with um, like a, a Mellencamp, Springsteen, Heartland rock feel. And a little bit of flair, a little bit of 80s arena rock, like Queen, Aerosmith. I know I just name-dropped a lot of people, but... <laughs> some good ones, I, though. <laughs> yeah, good, I know, good ones. And like that's what I what I grew up on. And I guess who I am is kind of a, a like a combination, really, of all that stuff. And in a some sort of country, country rock lane, and I'm still trying to... Still trying to find my sound, but um, I felt like like Left Field was a was a song. Um, I know I only have one song out now. I have a. I'm going to be rolling some more out soon, 
uh, was, was really like a good first step to finding my sound and, and, um, really trying to own it and, uh, figure out really what I want to be in country music. Well, it's always, I feel like difficult to, to do that because you're, you, you want to break through, but you also, you know, know how difficult that can be. And I'll ask you about left field here in a second, but before that, you know, I, you were in college. You were, I think you were still playing baseball too at that time, correct? In college, yes, sir. So, but you won a singing competition, I, I believe. Is that when you realized maybe this could be a career as well, or another option for you? Yeah, I, um, I, I guess that I, it was sort of a gradual thing, really. Um, in college, I put together it was really just me and my friends put together a a small little band. Uh, we called ourselves groovies in the rough. Um, it was kind of, it wasn't my idea to be honest. It was my friend, Devin Wilson, who was our backup singer, rhythm guitarist. It was, he, he came up with it and, uh, we did, we played in our local battle of the bands. And, um, that's, that was when I realized when I stepped on that stage for the first time, um, and got to sing in front of a crowd was like when I realized, man, this is really addicting. Like I got to figure out how to do this. <laughs> so here, you know, here we are I'm doing it. <laughs> well, and, and you, as you said, left field is out now. What, what drew you to that song and why did that song in particular become the first one that has your name on it and it is your song? Yeah, it's, it was a good place for me to start. Um, I have a, a big catalog, a couple hundred songs and really, I've been listening through, um, trying to figure out like, okay, what, which one of these are, are the most me, like what, what's going to work and, and where do we start? Um, and left field is a a song with a baseball title, but if you listen to it, it's not actually not at all about baseball. Um, it's about life and it's just about the best things. Like, you know, sometimes things come out of nowhere and those are, those are the things that shape us in our lives. And I've certainly seen that in the past couple of years, you know, in my life. Um, and it just felt like it was a true story from the heart. Um, if you look at my Spotify bio, I was just, I was talking to, to one of my songwriter friends the other day and, you know, I had to, I'm just starting out. I had to put up a bio on Spotify and I, you know, we came up with, I make real country music from the heart. You know, and that's kind of what left field is. It's not doesn't have to be too complicated. Um, It's the song is written in a way that it can mean different things to different people. Uh, I think one of the coolest things as I've released it and people have been hearing it for the first time is getting messages about the different ways that it's affecting different people and how it applies to their life which is entirely different than how it applies to my life and why I wrote it. But it's cool to have, have the song kind of hit people in different ways. I definitely want to figure out going forward, I'm about to roll out an EP and I want to figure out like how to do that more, you know, but I feel like if, if there, if I'm getting those kinds of messages, like it's working. So yeah, that's the story of left field. 
Well, I mean, when when you're writing, and I, I don't want to make it sound like it's it's a story, like a like something that you would find in a book, but when when you're able to kind of tell that story through a song or or kind of bring people in and they can picture themselves in it, I mean, I feel like that is what real real music, whether it's country or something else, is, is all about, and 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 left field's a lot of fun on that, and I'm so more music is coming though. Uh, we, Did- we, we, Yes, sir. More music is coming. Um, I'm working on a music. So I just shot a music video for mm-hmm. Left Field. I'm going to roll that out shortly. And then uh, as soon as that's out, we're going to roll out the second single. Um, I have a four song EP that I'm finishing up as we speak. Um, and the goal is to get uh, get all that out by um, sort of mid fall. Like if I can get it all out by the end of October, that would be great. Um and the EP is called Diamonds Are Forever. So another kind of baseball reference. I'm not, I can't give away anything about the song. You're going to have to check back over the course of the summer as we, uh, as we roll them out. But um, I'm all about making that reference and kind of, kind of uh, leading people one way. They think they're about to listen to something, and then, then it's something else. So you have to check back and see. I like the tease. I like the tease. Leave them, leaving always wanting something more, and they got to follow along. Now, you're as I mentioned earlier, you're a busy man. You're a baseball player, you know, country music singer, songwriter, but you also have helped co-found um, Proud to Be in Baseball. What's what's that organization about? And why is it so important to you? Yes, sir. Um, Proud to Be in Baseball is uh, a nonprofit five hundred one c three organization, a charity that I co-founded with my friends, Michael Holland and Sam Colwell. And um, we're all baseball players. We're all in the LGBT community. So um, last last year during the baseball season, I got a chance to uh, come out really. Um, I didn't consider it coming out. I considered it more like inviting in. This is who I am. Uh, pretty much told my story of of me and, and, and my partner, um, Max, who's a, a great guy. Um, but, uh, I guess I was the only, the only openly gay, uh, professional baseball player at the time, possibly still. Um, but that, that's sort of where it all came from. And I started getting messages from people in baseball, young ball players uh, like me. And, you know, there's a lot of people that play baseball and a lot of a lot of different kinds of people. So the idea was to create a support group um, to help young kids and help um, ball players in high school and college and uh, other pro guys and younger versions of myself. And really the, our mission is to make sure that nobody, nobody like us feels like they're alone, you know, in our sport. And um, we didn't really see anybody else helping that that community in baseball. So, um, my friends and I really just decided to do it ourselves and we're a super small, small little charity, but I think we're doing good stuff and I'm going to keep it going as long as I can. Really as long as it's needed. Hopefully it's not actually needed for that much longer in baseball, but, um, right now it's needed. So we're keeping it going. Well, I know you're also going out and, you know, kind of doing a stadium tour through through that organization and you're sharing your story. What's what's it like to kind of one, be able to do that and, and two, you know, the impact it's it's had? Yeah, I'm joke. I've been joking around as we do this summer stadium tour because it's like, you know, 
Garth Brooks does a stadium tour. <laughs> Kenny Jesse does the stadium. <laughs> I don't know if I'm really at that spot doing a real stadium tour yet, but it it is going stadium to stadium, um, really just singing the national anthem, throwing out the first pitch, doing a pregame concert or a small little postgame show. Um, so that's that's where we got the name from. But um, it's been cool going around and, and meeting people and – um, I feel like every organization, well, I brought the charity with me to every spot that we go and every, every place we go, we, we meet people and they want to find out like who we are and what we do and, and, and get connected. And, um, we've been kind of growing, we're less than a year old, but we've been growing super quickly because, because I feel like it is needed and it, it is it is rewarding to for me as a, a kid who, you know, growing up, I loved country music, loved baseball, but I felt different than um, my peers in both of those places um, just because of who I am. And it's cool to be able to go back into that world, go back in the baseball world and be authentic and be embraced. Um you know, I've been embraced here in Nashville as well. Um, I think in this day and age, you know, nobody really cares who you date. Um, they just care if your songs are good. <laughs> so, so uh, I've been, I've been, you know, we're working hard with the charity. It's it's near and dear to my heart, but um, it's been cool that to, for to for people to hear the music and and to really just appreciate the music for the music and. Um, usually, you know, when they hear my story afterwards, it, it, it it's, uh, it's like an interesting side note, you know, but definitely going forward in Nashville, I, I just want to keep leading with good songs and good country music that anybody can like. And, um, but I'm not, I'm not shying away from who I am and I'm still doing as much as I possibly can for the charity and to, to help out how I can help in baseball and, and, um, yeah, that's kind of, that's, that's what proud to be in baseball is. You can check us out proud to be in baseball.org or on social media, uh, at proud to be in baseball. You can see what we're all about. Pass us a little donation. <laughs> I got to put a plug in. The guys are, uh, the guys are going to love when I say that, but, um, truly every, every little bit that we are able to raise, it all goes towards helping young ball players like myself and it's a good cause. So, yeah. Well, and I, I know too, with, with everything that's gone on in your life, I think you've, uh, there's, there's a documentary crew kind of following you around a little bit. Is that weird to have that and have cameras kind of like, and you're like, this is just my normal day. I'm just a normal guy. Like, okay. This yeah. Is, is it weird? Cause I feel it like was, it'd be weird. <laughs> it was, it was very weird to get used to. Um, luckily like, you know, they may make it seem in the documentary like they're there every single day. They're not, you know, uh, I know which days they're going to be there. And I kind of just tried to I agreed to do a documentary to I signed on because I felt like it would have been the type of thing that could have helped me if I had seen it as a kid, you know, to see somebody like me who's like out and proud. Um, and it's Pride Month right now, like living my life and doing the things that I'd love to do and not shying away from being a ball player or being a country music singer just because of who I am. Um, 
and not being able to see a ton of other people like me represented in the mainstream growing up. So that's why I signed on. But yeah, it was like a little, it was a little strange, um, like getting used to it. I definitely like, I laid down the rules early on. Like I said, you're not allowed to be in the locker room with me. You're not allowed to be in the dugout because when I'm a baseball player, I got to focus on it. You can put a camera next to the other cameras in the stadium. So it's just like one other camera. It's not a big deal. But it's like I didn't want any any extra attention or I didn't I didn't want it to become like reality TV. I mm-hmm. wanted it to be a high high quality, like well done thing that was respectful, that showed the story, but I could also like just live my life and go about things as normal as possible, like while they shot it. Yeah, they get to see the the real you, and and you're just like every everyone else. And yeah, you know, I got I gotta ask the question though, the hair, because you see how much I have. I, I decided to go short because it's hot. Yeah. Um, how, how long have you had the long hair, and how much work goes into that? Because I like this. I go shower. I'm dry when I step out. Yeah. I don't feel like that's happening for you. <laughs> no, it's not. It used to though. I used to have a buzz cut my whole life actually, up to about four years ago. Um, I, I wanted to get like a little bit of like lettuce, you know, out, out of the back of my ball cap, just like a tiny, tiny little bit, get some flow. And, uh, I did that. I worked on it. I grew it out and I started hitting better. And then I was like, well, you know, I'm a baseball player, superstitious, so I can't cut it now. So, you know, here we are four years later and I'm like, Jesus over here, but (laughs) (laughs) it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I just, you know, I wash it like once a week and do a little shampoo, conditioner, nothing fancy. I'm not, uh, I, mean, I should probably have a better answer than that, but honestly, I just kind of let it flow. You know, whatever happens, happens. No, you didn't want to go for the mullet? I mean, you could have gone like full on country music, 90s country, little <laughs> Billy Ray Cyrus. I could have actually wanted somebody from BMI, um, my PRO, Performance Rights Organization, was like, when I moved to Nashville, I was like, you should get a mullet. This was like right as Morgan was like, you know, kind of starting to distinguish himself. And I was like, I didn't want to copy anybody, you know, like I just wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to be original. So I didn't like, you know, I didn't want to copy Billy Ray Cyrus or Morgan. I just wanted to like be me. So that's kind of why I guess I still got it. Hey, yeah. nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong yeah. with that. Now, you know, before as we kind of get near near the end, and I wrap this up, you're you're a Montgomery County native. You grew up in, in Pennsylvania, just outside of Philly. I yeah. mean, are are you like full on Philly fan fandom, or like what was that growing up? Because uh, oh yeah, I might just have I might just have to stop it all because I, I grew up near Pittsburgh. So <laughs> you know, we just might have to cut cut the interview off now. All right. Well, it was nice <laughs> talking to you. <laughs> no, it was. Um... Yeah, it was cool growing up outside of the Philadelphia area. I was about 45 minutes west, so uh, it wasn't too hard to drive in for sports games. My dad would take me to Phillies games. Um, I'm an Eagles fan, bleed green, you know, Flyers, Sixers, all across the board. So proud Philly sports fan. I've, I've recently adopted the Preds here in Nashville. I've been to some Preds games that are a lot of fun titans a little bit my heart's still back home though you can't you can't forget about where you're from so and well and i think too you're even kind of with the uh 
the organization that's trying to bring a major league team, a baseball team to, to Nashville, right? You're, are, you're like a yes, sir. extension that, of them, something like that? Yeah. I. Uh, so I'm officially, a, a few weeks ago, signed on officially as a community advisor, whatever that means, <laughs> for, the, uh, for the Nashville Stars, which is like a group that's trying to bring an MLB expansion team to Nashville. So they're pretty early on, I think, in the process. But um, I want to want to work with them. Um, I was featured as their advisor of the month for Pride Month in June. And I really want to work with them to build a fan base in the LGBT community in Nashville and show that baseball can be for everyone in Nashville. And um, I think they're, they're a great group. I met Dave Stewart. You know, legendary big leaguer who uh, who was at the office a couple weeks ago when I went in there, um, and they they've been rallying people in in the business world in Nashville and in the country music community, and they've been kind of embracing both like music and baseball. You know, being here in Nashville, they got some country stars that are that are gung ho about about the thing, Luke Combs and and uh, Darius Rucker. And so fingers crossed in a couple of years, we'll have a big league team here in Nashville, which would be really, really cool. Well, yeah, it, it's amazing to see how, how Nashville has grown over the years. And before I ask you my last question, BrianRubyMusic.com. You can also find him at BrianRubyOfficial on social media. And you, know, you kind of touched on this. You got music coming out. You're doing the stadium tour. Um, and things like that. What else can folks expect for you the rest of the year? You got six months left. I mean, what, what's the rest of 2022 looking uh, like for you? Six months left. Um, I'm trying to play as many gigs as possible. You know, I just dropped my first song. I got an EP on the way. So, um, you know, rolling out a music video for Left Field, rolling out song number two, three, and four and the EP. Uh, maybe even a Christmas song as we get into the winter. That would be fun. That's something I've been slowly starting to think about. So it's really just music on the way, you know. It's uh, I'm just getting started as an artist, and I, I want to build that base, build it real strong. And um, I'm pretty much saying yes to almost every gig that I'm offered right now, just to play as many places as possible. Um, I'm trying. I'm not. I'm not haggling too much for money you know, on the road playing those gigs, I'm just saying yes, because I need to go. I need to build that fan base. And in a couple years after I've built a little bit, you know, we can, we can negotiate a good, a good contract. But for now I'm putting in sweat equity and I'm hitting the road and I'm, I'm playing as much as I can, as many places as possible. So wherever you are, I mean, in wherever you are in the country, um, chances are I'm coming sooner or later. Um, within the last month, I've played New York, Nashville, Pennsylvania, L.A. I'm about to go play Oregon. Um, I'm about to go back up to the Northeast, potentially up to Boston, um, going down to Florida this fall. I mean, I'm trying to go as many places as possible, hitting the road. I'm here in Nashville as we speak. I'm in my I'm at my house, but um, I really haven't spent like more than 36, 48 hours here in like six weeks at a time, you know, I'm, uh, I'm on the road. So, so check back Brian Ruby music.com. That's Brian with a Y Ruby with the Y. That's the cool way to spell it. But, uh, Brian Ruby on social media and, uh, you can, 
you can sign up, follow along, and you'll get an alert in your inbox if you sign up on my website when I'm playing near you. So you can come check it out. I, I, I highly recommend it. Left Field, if you haven't listened to it, go do it. It's a great song. And I feel like you've got a great foundation being built here, Brian. And, and I appreciate you taking the time and sharing your story with me. Thank you. I uh, can't wait to uh, can't wait to see this go up. And uh, I would love to come back anytime. Thanks again. Absolutely.